I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Are you going to scare me again this week? No. Thanks. You're welcome. I purposefully did not choose a uh, disappearance or a spooky something or other or anything murdery. Um, I instead chose something that I think you're going to like. Do you okay. want to make a guess? Um, it is one of my favorites. Your favorites? Have you talked to me before about it? In the context of something else, yes. Um, I, I really have no idea. All right, my friends, today we are going to be talking about Atlantis. I am so excited. Feel free to buckle however you buckle into a submarine because we are going down. I am really excited. <laughs> You're really proud of yourself for that joke. I am. <laughs> All right. So, since ancient times, Atlantis has been a mystery. Was it a true place, one of advanced technology and government swallowed by the ocean? Or is it a place of myth and story, a civilization we should take as a blueprint or even a warning for our future? Mm. So here's the initial story of Atlantis. It all starts with Plato, not the toy. <laughs> Thank you. The, my brain immediately I know. was like, I know this I isn't what you mean, but you mean Plato. Plato. Not Plato. I, <laughs> I realized as I said it out loud that that's what it sounds like. I haven't said Plato out loud. Welcome like everyone to a reminder to enunciate behind your mask. Because <laughs> no nobody please. knows how to do it. No mumbles, please. So yes, it all starts with Plato. He wrote of the island of Atlantis in his dialogues, Timaeus, not Timaeus, Timaeus. It's because you're thinking about Tim. I am. He was so nice. He brought uh, Emma's charger from home. He did. We're recording two episodes today. Oh, Happy New Year, by the way. Hey! (laughs) Well, almost. It's New Year's Eve? It's New Year's Day, I think. Oh, what is time? It's made up anyway. Doesn't matter. But shout out to Tim, husband of the year. Yes, seriously. He came and brought the charger for the computer. I had brought everything I needed to today. I even like made myself like a mini checklist to be like, all right, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. Did not have a charger. So he drove all the way down here, dropped it off, and then he's coming back after this so we can go look at Christmas lights. (laughs) Triad adventure. (laughs) He's the best. So yes, I was thinking of my Tim, um, but it's Timaeus and the Critos, Critias. Again, Greek, Latin, not not our thing. I, I apologize to my father-in-law. Um, also, what was that one professor you had in college? Oh, the Neanderthal? I loved him. I forget his name. Was it him? Yeah, he I was a Latin professor. But didn't you have another one that had a cute dog? Oh, they, yeah, he was the advanced Latin professor, and he was married to the um, head of the religion department, and they had two dachshunds. They loved them. Cute. That would allow our friends at home to check off the oh, college yeah. story square on their bingo card, yes. which we're still early on in the episode if you wanted to go and download it. You can find it in our link in bio on Instagram at... This podcast doesn't exist. Atlantis is on there, by the way. It's so true. The easiest one the easiest you're going to get. Yeah. Basically your free space. All right. Let's try this again. He wrote of the island of Atlantis in his dialogues Timaeus and Critias. I think I did that right. Well done. In 360 BC. So dialogues are basically a written fictional debate set up to have characters speaking to each other 
usually arguing a topic, kind of like, you know, Critias, colon, this is what he says, and hmm. then Timaeus, colon, like, it goes that way. Um, but in this way, they're able to have, like, a Socratic debate on paper. Um, so these are our only primary sources from the ancient world about this island that we have intact. Um, but the way that Plato writes of it makes it seem like he was not the on only one who believed. So the dialogues are quoting Solon, an Athenian statesman who visited Egypt between 590 and 580 BC. Solon apparently found Egyptian documentation about Atlantis and translated them. However, we don't have any kind of solid evidence of this. Um, this is just within the dialogues that we're learning of this. The basis of the dialogues is that Plato has introduced his idea of a perfect society in his Republic. Feel free to go and read Plato's Republic. I did not. Socrates, who is also a character in these dialogues, wants to see if he and the others can think of a story they know that reflects such an exemplary society, musing on the structures that work within certain current civilizations. It is now that Critias, one of the characters, brings up the ancient civilization of Atlantis, the antithesis of the perfect civilizations that Athens has become, he so believes. He outlines it in his portion of the dialogue. So Critias explains the island as the domain and birthplace of Atlas, a son of Poseidon, hence Atlantis mm -hmm. and the Atlantic Ocean. He was the first king, and so the island and the ocean were named for him. He passed the lineage down to his sons and to their sons so that the Atlanteans were descendants of the gods. The island was very large, supposedly larger than, quote, ancient Libya and Asia Minor combined, end quote, which would refer to current northern Africa and over half of Turkey. So I had to find that translation of, like, what does this mean for now? Because I yeah. don't know how large ancient Libya what is. is. What does the map look like? Um, the island is also situated just beyond the Strait of Gibraltar, um, which is at the uh, edge of Spain on the southern tip and the top of Africa, basically. Um, and at this time, it was called the Pillars of Hercules and is described as having mostly mountains to the north and a plain to the south. The island itself was surrounded by another stretch of land that rounded the north of the island and met just at the south almost all the way, um, but it created a natural harbor. So there's like a little bit of space that this land around it has allowed for there to be a almost natural wall between uh, the island and the outside world. The island was equipped with both hot and cold springs, fertile land, and an abundance of animals, including elephants. Oh. According to the account, the mountain in the middle was surrounded by three moats, with land in between and proportional size, basically creating three concentric islands. Bridges were built to the rest of the island, connecting the concentric circles of land over the water. A canal to the sea was dug, and walls were erected around the main city and the edges of, of the circles, adorned with precious metals, and so it, shone, it shined like silver, and also colored red, white, and black from the quarried, uh, quarried rock nearby. Quarried is a very difficult word. There was a temple to Poseidon in the middle of the city, a palace, and an altar. The island is described as having excellent plumbing that utilized the hot and cold water that naturally sprang from the island, even that these waters could be directed into private bathrooms, particularly in the valley. Hmm. 
So he goes on to describe the population of Atlantis as a warring people who were equipped to fight. As in, they were definitely not on offense. They were constantly going after people oh, to so try they, and conquer. So they were on offense. Yes, sorry. This this is another reminder that Emma does not play we any don't sports. Play sports. <laughs> I'm not great at sports. I always forget which is which. Anyway, Atlantis was a conquering civilization and had taken over ancient Libya to its northeast as far as Egypt and into Europe as far as what is now central Italy, enslaving those they could along the way. They had a strong navy, a wide breadth of technological advancements and wealth, but became corrupted by it within the story that Critias is telling us. Hmm. Apparently, the Athenians took action and waged a war against the Atlanteans and prevailed, thanks to the intervention of the gods, okay. yep. setting free the lands that had been conquered. So basically they mm-hmm. they made sure that everyone got set free. All the slaves are no longer slaves, except the Greeks and Romans definitely have slaves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see why this didn't make the cut for the Disney version. Right? Yeah. After this defeat, Critias says, quote, There occurred violent earthquakes and floods, and in a single day and night of misfortune, all your warlike men in a body sank into the earth, and the island of Atlantis in like manner disappeared in the depths of the sea. For which reason the sea in those parts is impassable and impenetrable, because there is a shoal of mud in the way, and this was caused by the subsidence of the island. And so Atla- Atla- Atlantis disappeared into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Later ancient writers and philosophers comment on this particular section of Plato's writing, and the debate began on whether or not Plato's dialogue on the island was an actual account or a fabrication used as a tool to teach. The myth persists through the ancient world and continued into our more modern times, growing in theory and depth of possibility. And so we dive into scholarship. Ah ha 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 ha. I didn't write that on purpose and I'm just really proud of it now. <laughs> well done. Most of what we have as modern interpretations of Atlantis stem from the 16th century, when scholars started to correlate Atlantis and the, quote, New World of America. Among these scholars were Francisco Lopez de Gamora. I just like saying it. He's a Spanish historian. <laughs> I didn't know him before this. <laughs> Francis Bacon, hey. our, our Shakespeare friend, and Alexander von Humboldt a geographer and polymath of many subjects. He basically did everything and was just like, I like geology this week. And <laughs> just would like learn it I, all. I honestly, I'm so jealous of people because I feel like in olden times there was less information overall to know. Yeah. Which meant you could know more about particular things. Or you could know about more topics. Yeah. Versus now, it's like, you are a geologist, or a chemist, or an English master, and that is your topic of expertise. You stay in your lane, and you take a couple gen ed classes. You know, versus Sir Francis Bacon, could have been Shakespeare. Was he a Freemason? Do I remember from my own notes? (laughs) Let's say that he was. I think think maybe. I think so. I think I remember talking about that. I know a couple of the... The potential Shakespeare's were Freemasons. Yeah. But enjoy that square, Jordan. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, oh, I need to show you what I mean. It, this, it, These pictures will be up on the Instagram as they always are. 
But currently I'm showing Shannon the picture of what the layout of the island would look like, the oh, way that Plato okay. has described it. Looks very organized. Right? And the concentric circle thing is very exact, and it's a uh, image that pops up quite a lot hmm. um, in uh, other archaeological digs. I love that that photo is from the History Channel. Yeah, so I, I, watched, a, I watched a History Channel uh, documentary or, like, show, because I don't necessarily know if there would be documentaries if mm. it's, like, shorter than a certain amount of time. Anyway, I watched that, and I watched another Atlantis uh, thing on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I went through, like, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, YouTube. I was just, like, I'm craving, like, I just want to hear people talk about it. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to read it. I want to hear what, the like, them actually talk about it. And in most of these things, there's always, always this one archaeologist who is absolutely convinced that he is right, but is so passionate about it that you're like, yeah, buddy, yeah, you're definitely right about this, but you have no absolute idea about any of it. You're just taking off the information that he's that he's giving you. So they were fun to watch. I really appreciated these adorable archaeologists who were just doing their best. Are you going to go home and watch the Disney Atlantis? Yes, I am. I purposely did not watch it last night because I was like, you know. A reward for yourself. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't seen the Disney version of Atlantis, guys, like, what are, what you, are you doing? doing? Also, shout out to that that era of weird, sort of like steampunk almost Disney yeah. movies, like Treasure Planet and Atlantis. I love my my two my two very first cartoon crushes. I just want more of that. We don't need a. What's one of the new ones that got announced? I feel like they had just announced a bunch of sequels and and prequels. Yeah, and too many, too many sequels. Although I just Chris Evans is going to be Buzz Lightyear. <gasps> you didn't know that? No. Oh, yes. But it's he's not. It's not replacing Tim Allen. It's in the world of Toy Story. Buzz the toy is based on like. A real a movie. astronaut. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the, so it's kind of, it's meta, the way they described it. But it's like, uh, Chris Evans is an actor. Portraying Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear in a movie that, like, Andy would have gone to go see the Buzz Lightyear movie. Oh. I think is the way they explained it. I love it. that. Because when I first saw it, I got very upset. I was like, Chris Evans, I adore you. But you can't replace Buzz. But we can't replace Tim Allen. What? And then they were like, no, no, no. That's not what's happening. So, Guys, we'll see. Buzz Lightyear is my favorite Disney character ever. Like, he truly is my favorite. I love him so much. <laughs> we dressed up as, as we did. Buzz we were and Woody. Buzz and Woody for our week of Halloween in college. <laughs> Sophomore year, we had so much energy and we dedication. We had so much dedication. We were a different pair of... Uh, people for Halloween every day for seven days leading up to Halloween. That was great. We should do that again. No? Right. No, I want to. I just can't I want commit. to do it right. Yeah, you can't commit yet. You gotta know that you got we have to plan it. We have to plan we'll it. start now. If yeah. you have suggestions, please Seriously. DM us on Instagram. <laughs> yes. Okay. Back to our scholarship. Right. Yes. In 1663, Janice Johannes Bickerod wrote, quote, Orbe Novo Non Novo, end quote, which means the new world is not new. 
which is an accurate statement in regards to them believing that Atlantis and the New World are, like, the one and the same, since we had indigenous peoples here in the, quote, New World, mm-hmm. um, well before anybody else. But in conjunction with the idea of Atlantis, this poses an interesting idea of what indigenous civilizations were perceived as in different cultures across the ocean. A German Jesuit scholar in the 1600s named Athanasius, Athanasius? Hmm? Kircher believed wholeheartedly that Plato's account was literally true, and he claimed Atlantis was a small continent in the Atlantic Ocean. And this kind of takes off in later uh, maps that we see of people drawing of mm-hmm. uh, Atlantis, that it's actually its own little small continent, rather than just an island off the coast of Spain. Mm-hmm. Sir Thomas More was inspired by accounts of travel to America and by Plato's descriptions of Atlantis, and so wrote his 16th century work Utopia, a piece of fiction which coined the word Utopia, which is from a uh, Latin word meaning no place, um, and therefore potential a, p- a potential place of perfection. He- wow, that's deep. <laughs> yeah. Perfection doesn't exist. Yeah. Boom, saved you a, an hour of therapy this week. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. He and Francis Bacon discussed similar themes in their novels. Bacon, in his 1626 work, The New Atlantis, which places Atlantis in America. So he's written a novel about Hmm. uh, the people of Atlantis living on Atlantis, but has basically placed them within the geography of the known world in America. That's interesting. So basically he's made a guess. That's interesting, though, that they... Because by that assumption like you said the athenians would have had to cross the ocean yeah which almost takes away from the achievement of you know columbus and these other (laughs) explorers who quote-unquote discovered the americas it's like well actually the greeks did it a way long time ago with less resources yeah well they had the gods i guess well, and they also probably, I mean, they weren't trying to colonize. I think that maybe have been a different thing, too. They weren't True. trying to necessarily conquer across the ocean. Sir Bacon and Sir Moore. Sir Bacon. <laughs> they, pro- they probably wouldn't have believed in the Greek gods. May- yeah, probably like, not. In that they would have been able to offer assistance. They yeah. probably would have just looked at it as like, oh, the Athenians believed in the gods. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. So these ideas spark the belief that the Mayan and Aztec civilizations could have been either the empire of Atlantis or descendants of it. The connection with the early Mesoamerican civilizations to Atlantis, unfortunately, relies on the belief, based upon the things that they wrote at this point, that the indigenous people couldn't have possibly produced the structures that we can still see today and must have been helped parentheses, a la ancient alien style, but with tech, <laughs> close parentheses, because I may or may not have definitely watched a episode of Ancient Aliens for this. You're welcome. And so Atlantis must have been ruled by those of a, quote, higher race. Remember, this is like the 17-1800s now, so racism. Racism strikes again! One pseudo-archaeologist even believed that he had found connections between the Greek and Mayan languages, and as well as links to Egyptian gods. 
Um, he wasn't necessarily credible, however, since he believed that he and his wife were Osiris and Isis, two Egyptian gods. <laughs> but it's interesting nonetheless. And the reason he's called a pseudo-archaeologist is because he is not sanctioned by any particular like country or university or anything. It was around this time, it was around the 1800s that he was doing this. Um, but he was basically just making everything up as he went along and just pointing at things and being like, this is what it is. And it's, you have no evidence as to why that is. <laughs> the so, audacity of a white man. Sincerely. Yes, he was, he, he was white. He yeah. was from England. <laughs> In the early 1870s, an amateur archaeologist named Heinrich Scheilman, Scheilman? Heinrich Scheilman had used Homer's The Iliad to unearth the city of Troy, which was thought before to be completely fictional. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's it's the Indiana Jones thing that you my wish kind for. Of, my kind of science and history. Right? Yeah. It's national treasure style business. <laughs> Seriously. Ignatius Donnelly in 1882. I know. Ignatius. Imagine a baby named Ignatius. Do you nickname him Iggy? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. But he, in 1882, was then inspired to write Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, where he outlined 13 hypotheses around the idea that Atlantis really had existed and represented a utopia, contrary to what Plato described it as. Because, remember, Plato described it as this highly advanced place that could have had the potential to be a utopia. But it was very corrupt. Exactly. And so basically from war and natural disaster and from the power of the gods, they were struck down and eliminated. He followed the logic, Ignatius did, that if they were descended from the gods, then they must have built the perfect system, crushed only by the elements, not their own greed and hubris. Because the gods, in that sense, were infallible. Because he's following off of the Christian ideal of mm. God being infallible. Whereas actually, in <laughs> Greek and Roman times, the gods were full of Have you like, met mistakes. Zeus? And if the answer is no, it's because you're not a mortal woman. <laughs> <laughs> if you are an immortal being, please write in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, but don't uh, be nice to us. <laughs> What would his email even be? <laughs> like Zeus at Mount Olympus.net? <laughs> oh no. I, got, I, I, really, I, really, I really love that. I just love the idea of Zeus with glasses at the end of his nose being like, oh, I have to figure this out in order to tell them how stupid they are. Hera's too busy off like... Having court. Yes, because he's been canoodling, so he's now stuck in his room. <laughs> She's like, you have to stay in the here for the next five days. For the next 500 years. Or five, five days, whichever one's Whichever one. Whichever comes first. All right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Zeus. Tell us how we're, how we're not representing you well. Anyway, Ignatius believed all that. And he also believed that if we followed the clues that Plato had written about the island, it could be found. If Troy had been a myth once and it was actually real, why couldn't Atlantis be? Which is, all right. That logic kind of follows yeah. based upon what just happened. And so this is where the modern idea and modern ideal 
of Atlantis took off as being this mystical, mysterious, there we go. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember the word. Uh, mystical, mysterious, magical place. Like, it exists somewhere in the world. It's still there. We just need to go look for it. Yes. Question. I, yes. At this time, are they still believing... Are they still believing that there are Atlanteans or just that the city still exists under the ocean or wherever? My guess is that they're still believing in the island somewhere off that's been destroyed. But I think they also had a concept of like Atlantean refugees. Okay. So that there were Atlanteans somewhere within like descendants exactly but they were not thinking that there are people living underwater so far as i could find the answer is no okay clearly my my perception is colored by the disney version but i I just wanted to clarify i am sure that there is i couldn't i couldn't find anything that fully outlined that but maybe it was in some of these books that i didn't necessarily Read oh, because they're I very just wanted dense. to clarify. Fair enough. It'd be lovely if that were true. Really like that. Now, barge in the Russians. But unexpected! <laughs> <laughs> the Theosophical Society was founded in the 1870s by a Russian mystic, Helena Petrovna Bavlovsky. Well, then. Blavosky. I No, Blavosky. It's very difficult for me to say that. And her partner, Henry Steele Alcott, who I'm not sure was actually Russian. Maybe not. Um, Their philosophy of Western Romanticism, which has an emphasis on emotion, mixed with Eastern religious concepts, has allowed the group to be called, now, the founders of the New Age and other spiritual movements. Okay. So, like, New New Age movement kind of stuff. Not of the new age, like <laughs> no worries. My brain was my brain was interpreting that as as the founders of like an organization called the New Age, and no, no, so no. my brain was going, "Am I supposed to know what that is?" No, no, no. And they're, they're like, the founders oh, of the mean... Theosophical Society. Yes, basically. New Age is a genre genre of, of religion. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Helena wrote the Secret Doctrine in 1888, in which she outlined the five root races. And it goes from an ethereal race, so kind of like just spirit, to a more physical race, but not necessarily bodies, to progressively more human iterations. Mm-hmm. The fourth of these root races stemmed from Atlantis, so the Atlanteans were of this fourth race. Mm-hmm. And within this fourth race sprang the fifth race, which was the Aryan race the oh. one that was the modern human race oh. so she outlined mm-hmm. helena maintained that the atlanteans were heroes in line with donnelly and contrary to plato atlantis she and the theosophists believed had reached its height a million to nine hundred thousand years before but essentially self-destructed due to internal warfare that rose from the dangerous use of psychic and supernatural powers of its people so because they're descended from gods, they have these kinds of powers and, and psychic abilities, and they weren't using them to their advantage, and it actually ended up self-destructing them. Okay. The Nazis 
Because they're also here. No. Who invited you? They invite themselves in. The Nazis and their own occult practices, because look that up, Nazis were super into the occult. Uh, I've seen Captain America, the first (laughs) Avenger. Uh, um, but these occult practices appear too, mostly using the Atlantis myth to bolster the idea of a superior race that was half god and half human and was almost wiped out, but one that would prevail once more over those who had, quote, oppressed them. So they're using this. When in your life, right? (laughs) White boy, have you been oppressed? It's just when they can't do exactly what they want to do. That's how they feel oppressed. Anyway, moving on. Subsequent believers, specifically occultists, trace the lineage of occult practices back to Atlantis, but they never define the Atlantean society as superior or utopian, rather a lower stage of evolution and occultism. Hmm. Okay. Which is interesting in the conjunction with the idea of occult and technology, like what they believed was their technology at the time. So interesting flipping my page over nowadays people searching for atlantis have become pseudo scholars or treasure hunters hoping to happen upon the lost civilization with some radar or a carefully plotted dig so where is atlantis there is extreme speculation over where atlantis actually is but the most popular are one in or near the mediterranean sea with connections to crete Malta, Santorini, Sardinia, and other islands. Two, in the Atlantic Ocean, like the Canary Islands, the Azores, or the Madeira Islands. Three, Stone Age Ireland. What? (laughs) As described geography matches Ireland almost perfectly, so some scholars say, though there is absolutely no archaeological evidence to this. We got enough going on up there. Seriously. Four, Somewhere in Europe, most likely in the North Sea, so like with Sweden and Norway and all that, Hmm. or five, in the Caribbean or Bahamas, creating the vortex of the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, The next time we create, like the next iteration of the bingo card, I feel like we need to include a square that says, like, call back to a previous episode. Seriously. We do need, probably need to update it after, like, Jordan's 20 episodes. Jordan's gonna get bored. She's gonna get so bored. Alright, so here are our theories. Number one, Atlantis never existed. Plato wrote the piece about Atlantis in the dialogue as a way to demonstrate certain philosophical theories like divine versus human nature, the eventual corruption of human society, and what the most ideal society would be. He used the story of Atlantis to give an example of what it might look like to be a highly advanced civilization that allows its greed and immorality to get the best of them. In this case, retribution from the gods. So basically to be like, let's not be jerks. (laughs) Right. Well, in the way that sometimes people, if you just tried to get straight up in their face and be like, what you're doing in your town, city empire yeah is bad but if you tell them a story about it yeah. you know it's like it's like a, when jesus tells a parable <laughs> yeah it's like when jesus tells parables into Get the bible out of my brain. but i mean it, i mean what came to my head was godspell <laughs> 
<laughs> and not the actual Bible. <laughs> it was just God's Just song. a musical. <laughs> Sorry, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, after all this time, you think we would have found something that would give us the evidence we need to prove that Atlantis is a real place, but nothing con- conclusive has arisen, regardless of all of the event, like, searches and digs and, like, very thin connections and all of this. Theory number two. Atlantis did exist, but it wasn't called Atlantis. Oh? It could very well have been a collection of islands inhabited by the ancient civilization called the Minoans, a people with incredible building skills, known by Plato and the rest of the world at that time, as far as, but was a very far gone civilization even to them. So it was a potentially ancient civilization to them, too. Like, it's even more ancient to us. Mm -hmm. So, that's a possibility. As it happens, there is evidence of a volcanic eruption on the island of Santorini, effectively destroying the volcano and making it into a caldera, which is basically just a flat volcano, which would have required the force of more than an atomic bomb, rocking the Mediterranean and creating tsunamis and earthquakes elsewhere. Although some scholars don't believe the timeline matches when Plato said Atlantis was destroyed, others suggest that there are too many coincidences for it not to be connected to the eruption on Santorini and the disappearance of the Minoan civilization that inhabited it. Just the possibility of being destroyed by the way that the way that the History uh, Channel documentary described it, I think it might have been that or the or the Atlantis thing. One of one of these documentaries I watched described the eruption, like the dust and, and ash of the eruption being so hot that when it hit people who were running away, it made them disintegrate immediately. That's how hot it was. And I was like, I don't understand how that physically works, but okay. That's terrifying. Yeah. Not a fan. No. Flashback to an earlier off-the-mic conversation we were having about your, um, what was your childhood morbid obsession? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Pompeii was also on my, on my list. Yep. Mine was the Romanovs. Yeah. And Bonnie and Clyde. I had a lot of them on my list. And the, the, uh, Lost Colony of Roanoke. (gasps) Yo. Craziness. Yeah. All right. In 1900, archaeologists also found a site on Crete in Knossos that captures a palace and a small city under its volcanic ash. They were advanced in their technology, like their subterranean network of pipes and drains that carried wastewater away from the main palace and could be piped into the palace in spaces throughout the city, which is really advanced for this time period. I know that thinking about plumbing as, like, an advanced idea isn't necessarily, like, conceptual to us like we can kind of understand like indoor plumbing i get that it wasn't really a thing but you at least had an outhouse or anything like that wastewater usually would end up in like streets in 1600s london like you would Mm -hmm. you could smell london from like three miles away from the city whereas this ancient civilization figured out how to make plumbing like a good deal for everybody which is incredible. The palace itself was enormous, four stories, and had hundreds of passageways to get around. It is like unlike anything of the period on the mainland, 
far beyond the magnitude of what the Romans and the Greeks had at the time. So most Roman and Greek homes and even palaces were just large, not tall. Mm-hmm. So it would be like a maximum of like maybe like five or ten rooms. Mm-hmm. And they would not necessarily be connected by passageways or hallways. They would just be all interconnected so that you would walk into one room and then walk through another doorway into another room kind of thing. Um, That's wild because we, I just remember from all my art history classes, we just, we pointed to the Greeks and the Romans as being so advanced, like aqueducts that are still standing today that are Roman construction, but for them to, to be the inferior in this is Seriously. And it's, it's absolutely insane to like go reading this stuff and watching these documentaries and having them go, this is thousands of years older than the Roman aqueducts. Mm -hmm. Like that is insane to me. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think about it in that sense of, like, the Romans didn't even develop this as a thing until thousands of years later. And we know that based on documentation at the time. Mm-hmm. We don't have any documentation of this. It would probably have been just a trade that was passed down. Like, there was no reason to write anything. The the language that, too, like, the... Because the, there's, there's carvings and there's drawings and there's stuff on, like, cave walls, like... There would be for any Stone Age and Bronze Age thing of the time, a civilization of the time. Um, and one of them is like, <laughs> there are like runes almost. It looks like runes, but it's something completely indecipherable. Like there's mm-hmm. it, but you can tell that it's a language. That it's purposeful. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just a drawing of like lines and different iterations. It is a language. So that's fascinating to me, but there's no way for us to actually decipher it unless somebody, you know, gets magical powers and figures it out. Like Like, we find another piece of a Rosetta Stone. Right. (laughs) Somewhere. thing somewhere. Yeah. That's wild. It's so cool. Archaeologists, y'all are wild. Yeah. I wanted to be an archaeologist so bad when I was a kid. And then I realized that it requires a whole hell of a lot more math than I am capable of. I'm mad at childhood me. Me too. If I could go back in time, I'd give childhood me a bunch more books Seriously. about different careers. <laughs> Seriously. I would have been like, here, look at all of this stuff that you could and are capable of doing. You just need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The palace was also made from gypsum, which is a kind of rock that when the sun hits, shines like silver. I learned about that in my geo-environmental <laughs> science class. <laughs> Shout out to you, Mr. Rowling. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> the palace also had pillars of red wood that kept uh, that held up the floors of certain stories. It was also designed so that there was sunlight in every single space, regardless of the fact that this is a four-story building and there are hundreds of passageways and tons of rooms. They they utilized the the like thought of skylights and a courtyard in the middle of the building to make it possible that every room has light. It's fascinating. There is evidence that the earthquakes that certainly at that point in ancient times shook the area because it happened often. The Mediterranean is basically in ca- like over top of a tectonic plate, like two tectonic plates that are always shifting. So earthquakes mm-hmm. are not uncommon for this area. The walls of this palace were built to withstand sudden shifts in the earth. They 
were they had wooden frames in the wall and then in between those frames it was filled with stone that prevented the earthquakes from shaking them down and this development of building was not even developed in our modern world until like the early 21st yeah 21st century 20th and 21st century so like san francisco getting like shaken Mm -hmm. and then everything's falling and on fire there was no concept of like creating an earthquake resistant home or building and these ancient peoples figured out the way to do it architecturally and like they figured out physics without even like figuring out physics like it's just so crazy to me wild i love it but they were talking about it in the documentary i'm gonna keep I'll, I'll tell you what it is in like a minute when I get to that point in my notes. Um, but they keep talking about just how advanced this is. And when you usually think of technology, quote unquote, of like advanced technology, we all think like, ooh, they had fancy gadgets and like in Atlantis they had lasers the, the lasers and stuff. So like it's interesting to me that what they mean by technology is just like they actually knew how different things were built. Their engineering was so different and so advanced. That was the technological advance at the time because this is the stone and bronze age. Like the technological advance of fire is like, you know, not not fairly new, but like not far from new. So it's just fascinating to me. However, These walls could not keep them safe from a massive tsunami that had been determined to have happened during the approximate time of the demise of Minoan civilization. The tsunamis probably came from that giant explosion of the volcano on Santorini, which is about 100 miles north of Crete. In the 1900s, digging past the volcanic ash on the central island of Santorini at Akrotiri, that contains the caldera, so this Akrotiri is where the caldera is, Um, archaeologists found a house site and a burial ground that gave them evidence of a civilization that could have very well been completely destroyed destroyed by a crazy natural phenomena that matched Plato's description of Atlantis' destruction. After digging further, archaeologists found evidence of a fully planned city, internal bathroom plumbing that is centuries ahead of its time, and an obviously prosperous civilization. Closer to Plato's description of the kingdom of Atlantis and linked to the palace of Crete, this that's what this space is. Like, it, it's obvious that they were in contact with Crete and some surrounding mm-hmm. islands. So it is not unfathomable that Atlantis, quote-unquote, was a collection of islands rather than one island. Mm-hmm. Or at least the civilization was. Yeah. Or this is just places that they conquered that they were able to spread their civilization further. Gotcha. It is unlikely, though, that we can take Plato's description fully as fact, since he described the Atlanteans as coming from the west, remember, Straits of Gibraltar, Mm -hmm. um, and being fairly militaristic, as in they are going to conquer everybody that they have the chance to, whereas the Minoans were egalitarian and actually based in the east. So they're more from the Greek side of the Mediterranean. There is also a theory that Sardinia is actually Atlantis, as the pillars of Hercules could actually, potentially, be the edge of Italy and uh, the edge of Sicily, 
close enough to be seen on either side of you as you sail through the um, those points mm-hmm. towards Sardinia. The island itself has a few formations that are of an advanced technique, and it has the potential, based on archaeological evidence, that the civilization was wiped out and forgotten. The island also has native red, black, and white rock, like uh, Plato described. There is also a mountain there that is topped with a tower that was once in the middle of the island before the southern edge was submerged, and it also has a temple to a water deity, which was very important and key to Atlantean society, according to Plato. Mm -hmm. The theory persists, though, that the evidence on Sardinia is actually from the refugees from a destroyed Atlantis, as it was after the eruption on Santorini that these ruins date. So if the actual destruction of Atlantis was because of the eruption on Santorini, Mm -hmm. then the ruins in Sardinia, because they date after this eruption, must be from the refugees of this eruption. Uh, Mm -hmm. In 2017, James Cameron... Hey! (laughs) ...and documentary filmmaker Simca Jacob... I can't do anyone's name today. Jacobovici... Simca Jacobovici, teamed up to produce Atlantis Rising on a quest to discover the real Atlantis, following the myth and trying to add up the clues, but essentially find instead that there is evidence that links the islands of the Mediterranean and even the Azores in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean to one ancient civilization, or at the very least, a civilization that was emulated throughout the Mediterranean and beyond. Is this the one on Disney Plus? Yes. So this... It, it seriously, like, usually these kinds of documentaries are very ancient aliens-esque. The way that they're produced, the way that they are written, they are not very well done. This is the exact opposite. This documentary was so good. James Cameron is a little goofy because he's not even around. He's just kind of like the producer. And Simca is the guy who's going to all of these islands and mm-hmm. talking to people and, like, looking at these ruins. The photography is gorgeous. The music is great, and every single scientist that they interview is just the perfect nerdy man. <laughs> it's so good. I love it so much. It was such a good documentary. I definitely suggest it. It is on Disney+. Plus. It's a National Geographic uh, mm. thing, so um, it. I know that for some reason Disney owns National Geographic, so... Capitalism is the reason you're looking for. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's very good. I suggest it very highly. So they believe that Atlantis was actually in what is now southern Spain. So beyond the Strait of Gibraltar, under mudflats at Doña Ana National Park. This would fit with the assertion that they were a conquering civilization that came from the west, so Spain, able to use the ports to their advantage and to build up a powerful navy. The fact that it is covered in mudflats also goes along with the impassable piece of ocean that Plato talks about after the city is destroyed. The mudflats have been excavated minorly and have given up some promising pieces that there is in fact evidence of a civilization under there, but the space is a national park and is exceedingly hard to excavate because mud. Mm. Which makes sense. But the clues, at least to Simca, added up to a conquering nation that made it all the way from Spain to Greece and Turkey before a natural disaster brought them to their knees and scattered them inland. Our third theory. Atlantis is real and magic is out there and we're just waiting to find it. (laughs) 
The end. Thank you, Disney, for all of my Atlantis dreams. Because Milo and Kita. And also, talk about a diverse cast. Why is this not a, a live-action live movie? Uh, Seriously. I mean, Dr. Sweet, The Rock, or even, uh, what's his name, from um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, golly. I'm... I have not watched that show. Andy Samberg's the only one I know, and that's not <laughs> who you're talking about. No. Huh. I've, I'm sure I've seen gifts of him. The, like, bald African-American yes, man. Yes, the b- really like, tall, buffy guy. dude. He'd be perfect for Dr. Sweet. He'd be the perfect Dr. Sweet. And then we have Audrey. Like, America Ferreira would be perfect. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then Vinny, that guy in the movie theater line that we saw one time. <laughs> Remember him? No, What? He looked like he looked like the mix between the dynamite guy Vinny from Atlantis and the guy who killed Bambi's mom. <laughs> Don't remember. You remember that? We were gonna go see a movie and we were in the concessions like this. Oh like wait, this. okay. I think I remember. Maybe. Let's remember, see if I can find the picture. Remember movie theaters, guys. I'll see if I can find the picture. But Please it, do. We're putting it on the Instagram. If I can find it, we'll put it on the Insta. I'll try and like block out his face a little bit so it's not like... Throw an emoji yeah. or something. I don't know. But seriously, though, where is my lab action movie and why... Come why on. has it not happened? It would be so beautiful and like... Mm, top Tom Holland as Milo. Oh, Wouldn't that be kind of sweet? Too little? Too baby? No, just too... I don't want to say too handsome, because that's mean. But yeah, like, too baby. Too baby. I need okay. I need some more academic angst. That's fair. That boy doesn't look like he's ever pulled an all-nighter <laughs> to write a paper. He's too busy spoiling <laughs> Marvel movies. That's true. Write in with your dream cast of a live-action Atlantis. But, like, best gang ever. Oh, you've got a picture. I, I do. I have I a really picture of the watch, whole gang. I really want to watch this movie now. Because it's been so long. <laughs> I love the caption. Oh, that's, yeah, that's going on the Insta. Yeah. But yeah, just like a beautifully diverse cast. You know that Josh Gad would play this character, oh, right? Oh, Moliere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely would. 100%. That's, uh, that's who they would pick. I just, I love it. It's such a perfect movie to me because it just encapsulates that whole feeling that I love of like nerdy adventure, kind of like happenstance luck situation, but also love and a whole gang getting together and being best friends. But like there's that crucial moment they all have to make that one decision of like, am I going to do this for them or am I going to do it for me? Like, the right reasons uh, or the selfish reasons. It's yes. so it's so good. Yes, Atlantis, Treasure Planet, National They're just Treasure, perfect. Indiana Jones. Yes. They're just perfect. I just, I love it. Indiana Jones was like one of my favorite like movie series when I was a kid. And it was, I well, I think half of it has to do with the fact that my dad wanted me to watch them. And so he'd be like, watch this with me. And we'd get excited and watch it. But also the fact of like, what would it feel like to be that knowledgeable and find this thing and know exactly what it is, know exactly what you're looking at. Ugh, that's so cool. And like you're the first person to see it and you discover it. And you, and you're, you're just so you're smart. You're just so smart. <laughs> Further proof. I, mean, I know we've had this conversation off the mic. I don't know if we have on the podcast, but further proof of why 
I love Nicolas Cage in the National Treasure movie. Seriously. I cannot I cannot abide him in any other any circumstance nope. except for the animated uh Into, Into the, the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. But just to know enough to be like, oh yes, in the year, blah blah blah, Ben Franklin and such and such and this da 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 da. It's just just to amazing. have that knowledge. Like I'm I know, I know that both of us are smart enough to be able to do this. However, I know both of us are lazy enough <laughs> never to do it. What do you mean? You mean I can't find Atlantis? I'm not saying you can't. I mean, I guess they already kind of found it. Didn't I, they? Yeah, I mean, that's that was my next question is like, what are your thoughts on have they found it? Have they found evidence of it? Was it Atlantis or was it like a like philosophical tool or was it a actual ancient civilization that is now under the water and we just need to go find it and it's still there and functioning i i i i don't think it's the last one hate to ruin your dreams all right but i think both of the other two explanations are equally valid because i could easily see plato being like you aren't gonna listen to me if i say that this parable is about Athens so I'm going to make it about Atlantis yeah and be and to you know share about that but then also like you were saying uh ancient civilizations if they wrote things down we don't have the key to that yeah so it could have easily been a a society that traveled and and conquered and was taken out by natural elements too so yeah well and the fact that their entire because they were an island their entire navy was like the thing that kept them powerful mm-hmm. very similar to another island that we know was very powerful because of their navy the british empire <laughs> so it's that that kind of weird thing of like the only reason that they're no longer around is because of a natural disaster it had nothing to do with anybody else really like the athenians in in plato's description the athenians defeated them but that doesn't mean that they necessarily lost their land that was because of a a natural disaster so yeah i don't know i don't know i would like to believe that milo thatch and kita are still like living it up Wait, does, has Milo become immortal because he's... He's king now. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't. I didn't see the second one. <laughs> I am too... I, I know. I never saw the second Atlantis. Wait, I'm sorry. What? I haven't seen the second Atlantis. There's a second Atlantis? Yeah. It's on Disney Plus as well, friends. Are you sure we have to go look at Christmas lights? <laughs> yes! We do. We do. Uh, we, we, yes. But after that... But after that, you get to watch... I mean, I have, a, I have a like six-hour car trip tomorrow, yeah, so... Yeah, you do. Who knows? Maybe I'll just watch both Atlantis movies back-to-back. Do it. And then maybe National Treasure. That's also on Disney+. Plus. I know. I've already watched it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of my Atlantean story. I really enjoyed researching this one yeah you're very pleased with yourself i was very well i mean it was just so much fun to research because like i love the idea of atlantis but i only ever really knew about the movie version because i was like this is so cool as like a theory but then reading further into it and actually reading plato's writing on it it's very descriptive 
like he does not no holds are barred in terms of describing the actual city like obviously i didn't read it to you Mm -hmm. um and you can find it on project gutenberg thank you very much all of the things that are no longer in uh the 70 years of um copyright oh yeah now it's in public yeah now it's in public domain um 70 years it's (laughs) plato it's been a minute it's been a minute um but i mean it was fascinating I'd never had a chance to read that. And then watching all of my documentaries. I made Tim watch them with me, too. Husband of the year. Seriously, though. Seriously. Well, I knew this was good. It was a nice, lighter topic. Yes, no more spooky. We've had a couple more heavy ones in recent weeks. Yes. No, so. no spooky. And a great way to start our new year. Yes. New year, new civilization. New world. <laughs> new me. New me. Ah! Uh, uh, well, if you would like to share with us uh, your thoughts and feelings on Atlantis, your live action Dreamcast for the inevitable live action remake, we Seriously. hope. Um, again, I know I said this on a previous episode, if you'd like to judge Emma for her first childhood crush of Milo Thatch, you can do any and all of the above by emailing us at thispodcastdoesn'texist at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And if you would like to see my very first crush, you know, after you make fun of me, maybe you need to revisit just exactly who and what he looks like. So go over to our Instagram at this podcast doesn't exist and go ahead and look at all these photos, not just of Milo Thatch, but also of the gang that he's a part of that goes down to go visit Atlantis. Um, but also Atlantis. Uh, Atlantis. Um, but also uh, my other actual like yes. <laughs> sources. Sources from Source the history material. channel. Yeah. Um, so you'll be able to see what Atlantis is supposed to look like, and uh, a couple maps on where it's potentially located versus where Ignatius believed it was located. Um, he printed out a whole map that had the continent of Atlantis in it, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And, like, these are the places that it conquered. So. Also, I feel like we're going to have to do an episode about Ireland. Yeah, Ireland's Because been... Ireland keeps popping up in really unexpected places. Bermuda Triangle. Like. Yeah. In our Sylvanius, it was kind of there. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean. Sort of. A little bit. I'm sure people from Ireland would be very quick to point out to you that Ireland and Britain are two I know. separate I'm very well aware. In entities. I'm just saying, on I the record, I don't want anybody to come for us. No, please don't. We're both very aware. We're very fragile. <laughs> please don't come for us. Wow. <laughs> the truth. It came hard and fast and unexpected. Uh, like the like, wave. <laughs> much like the fall of the Atlantean Empire. Well, Emma, thank you so much. You're this welcome. was really fun. This was uh, fun. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. We're going to go enjoy uh, what is still Christmas time for us. Yes. Time is wild. Yeah. Try and find some Christmas lights to go and enjoy. Woohoo! Yeah, Tim's going to come pick us up. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Driving all the way back. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. Yeah. All right. Just remember, friends, this... It's the first time we've ever done that. This podcast. No. No. You don't want to do it? 
No, I just forgot the order. I don't I was know like, the order. I, say two I don't think there's an order. No, it is. And remember. And remember. This podcast doesn't yes. exist. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new us.